I'll cite the example again. How many times have you sat in a wedding meeting and you're presented with a budget and it has 150 different line items? All of them are inflated and ridiculously so. Mm. Talking about one and a half million for the groom's troop to go to the saloon. The Fuck groom's out troop. Of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The groom and his squad of five guys can each go and spend 30K, get a fresh cut over there at the salon, and you'll be done. 150K, finished. Now you want to put 1.5 million on your budget for it? Why? It's my wedding. It should be grand. How pathetic would your face look? Oh, it's my wedding, and I want it bro, to be like, grand. You start with your promo? Yeah, yeah, I get your promo, promo away, bro. Like, First of all, shout out Lucas Black. For giving me this jacket. This is a Black Vibes jacket. You saw it at the beginning of the last episode. He's asking me to adjust yeah, it. Just go yeah, back to no. the previous like episode. You'll see the, the, the print. That's crazy. gave you one, bro. No, 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 no. I had to. I had to this is the deal. I had to wear it backwards on the podcast. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. That's a dope jacket. Yeah. I, was, I, feel, I feel like we did a butter trade, a fair butter trade. <laughs> Can you see the vibes? Yeah, yeah black vibes. Black vibes. Dope. I don't know. Is it better for backwards or normally? Now that you've seen the back, let me show you. Black actually vibes. Drip. I might holler at you, man. I have some, have some work for you. It's a, it's a, it's a good one though. That's dope. I'm just waiting on more. With all my swag. Bam. This is the best promo I can do for him. I just look cool in a guy's dream. <laughs> yeah, so shout out Lucas Black. Uh, Element out right now. The song Element. Um, so is the match. Go buy, go listen. Back oh, to MJP. Shout out Black Vibes. Um, nah, he's going to just wear it. I'm going to finish drip it. And sweat. I'm on drip right now. Of course. Yes, of course. Sweat is about to start <laughs> dripping. <laughs> <in the laughs> <middle>. <laughs> <laughs> you want to introduce our guest? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So today we have Mr. Mr. Agaba Tumusime with us in the building. Mm-hmm. I'll let him take it from there. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah, bro. Oh, I'm here to introduce myself? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you better check my resume. Y'all got to know. Go, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need no introduction. Okay. <laughs> I need no introduction. Just check me out at Master Gabs if you want to know about me. Fire, fire, yeah. fire, fire. Bro, this weekend I was at the, not this weekend, like a day ago I was at the farm with some guy who I just met. Yeah. And he was trying to explain to me who he is. And you're telling me, bro, just go and check on Google. <laughs> 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 you just Google me. If you think that I'm playing with you, just Google me. Everything that I've said is true. So that's basically what you just said. But that's right. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Even some of the stuff that uh, I might not want people to revisit, it's, it's also there. on Google. <laughs> it's there. So so like, I like the fact that you have two surnames. Yeah, quotes. man. Because do you, do you have a first name? Agaba is my first name. Tumusime is my family name. That's my Tumusime. surname. I grew up in the U.S. I was born and raised in the Washington, D.C. area. So my parents made the deliberate decision. And I'm the, I'm the youngest of their kids. So, and the only one of their kids who have been born in the U.S. So when, yeah, when my parents were naming me, they made a deliberate choice not to give me a Christian name or an Anglicized name because they wanted me to identify very clearly 
with my Ugandan roots. Oh, and nice. so that's what it is, man. But that couldn't have been easy in school, bro. No, it wasn't. A lot of people mispronounced my name, butchered my name, Agaba Tuna Simi, turned into Agaba Tuna Sandwich. They called me Agaba, 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 Agabi. To this day, I have a friend who I've known for like 15 years. The guy still mispronounces my name. I'm like, that's crazy. I'm about to smack the shit That's out crazy. You don't learn how to make For me, bro, if it's been 15 years, now you're doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. So we're boys. Yeah. But it's all good. It's all good. Mm. No, fire, fire. Yeah, I won't no. lie. What does... Okay, now, like right now, Afrobeat is popping. You know, Black Panther 2 came out. So I guess like now being African is kind of... It might not yet be cool, but it's at least like acceptable now in society. Mm-hmm. At least in America, I'd say. Sure. What, what is your what is your this like me like my only question right now like what is your experience with that has anything changed do you see any like change of perspective in terms of like how Africans used to walk around and get received back then and now has that has anything changed is it is all that just on social media okay I'll preface my answer by saying this I've lived back in Uganda now for twelve years twelve I moved back to Uganda twelve years ago. April 3rd, 2011 is when I landed back in UG. So I have not resided in, in, in the United States in all of that time. Fair enough. And even in that period, I've only visited once for like wow. two weeks. Wow. And that was like in 2013. So I am very much um, Wrong number. disconnected from a lot of the recent dynamics of what has been happening in the U.S. in terms of Afrobeats and the, the whole wave of all the African swag becoming something that the entire continent of North America or the world for that matter is embracing and wrapping their arms around. But I will say this. Um, Growing up, there was definitely a stigma around being an African. Now, being an African with a name like mine where they don't have the option to call me a nickname, Mm. right? They're not able to escape their responsibility to learn how to pronounce my name correctly. So... A lot of the conversations that I had, particularly growing up in suburban white America with the friends that I had, was educating them about the Africa that they don't know. A lot of people made the mistake of thinking that Africa was a desolate wasteland where there's no enjoyment to be had whatsoever because growing up as a kid in the 80s and into the 90s, all that you saw were those stories of feed the children mm, and famine-stricken mm. African babies with kwashoko, mm. big bellies, <laughs> <laughs> flies, flies all over their face, right? So that's what people in, in, like in my peer group saw of Africa growing up in, in that era. And it wasn't until times when, you know, social media really started allowing people to see the Africa that they don't want you to see, mm. right? The Africa that they don't, no exists in the mainstream media people really started understanding and appreciating that africa was a place of reverence and respect um as i got older and i started my dating life it was difficult to get women to appreciate the allure of an african man but now we kings out here (laughs) (laughs) appreciate so there's, there's an appeal that i think is newfound and it's fresh and it's exciting. And I think for those people over there who are tapping into that and making the most of it, whether it be monetizing it or just reaping the benefits of it, um, it's great for them. But on the flip side, there's also a whole 
new demographic and i won't say brand new but there's a rising instance of conversations at least that i see happening online of young african americans and africans out there in the diaspora who are a generation or two removed from their african roots who want to come back here and rediscover and reinvest and understand um i mean you guys have seen the clip that i was on on the the repat podcast with kenganda right that's their entire audience It's people in the United States or in Europe, for that matter, who are thinking about Africa and they're like, hmm, what what can I appreciate about the opportunity to connect, do business with, relate to, even move and, and, and relocate my entire life? So I would say there's a there's a huge growth and popularity and respect and reverence that people are having from Africa, right? Or having for Africa right now. And I'm I want to get into it, a slightly man. controversial topic before we leave this one. Yeah. Um. Yes, there's a certain reverence for Africans right now abroad in terms of who are getting that kind of validation from others that we've been seeking for a long time. And to be fair, I don't think anything has changed as much. It's just people are now appreciating what has always been there. True. Would you say it's what are your views on like now say an African man or woman now at the top or on their way to the top marrying out of their race or like dating out of their race? Is that Is that something that you think about seriously? Is it something that you have, you don't find an issue with? Is it something that you think we should be wary of? The reason I'd ask you is because you've actually spent a lot of time in America mm-hmm. with um, people from all over the world because that place is a melting pot of the whole world. Yeah. So um, what do you think? Because I feel like right now a lot of young men feel like now this is the chance to get that visa. <laughs> that's the best chance so like, so like you is your question is is your question around whether guys should be living here to go over there yes or just specifically like should guys be marrying should they be living for marriage should they be living okay it's specifically around like dating because i think someone should leave if for example you are a neurosurgeon and there's no neurosurgeon thing here that you can work at go and work where the neurosurgeons are but when you go but i'm talking about like someone like now like just dating he's already a neurosurgeon okay he's a surgeon <laughs> and now he wants to marry I don't know, bro. Like, is yeah. there something about like? I don't know, bro. I f- I don't know. I don't, what What are your thoughts? I don't. That's not a question. Okay, let statement. me come back to your first question around yeah, yeah, my yeah. feelings around people who marry outside of their race. I don't have a problem with it, man. Um, to your point, I grew up in a multicultural society. I went to schools with people of all nationalities who were dating each other, blacks and Hispanics and Asians and whites and Europeans and Arabs and Middle Easterners and you name it. I saw at least one interracial combination that featured every two, race. Every, yeah. every combination that you can think yeah. of. I've seen yeah. a dating scenario like that. Um, in terms of marriage, it's up to the individual and what you want. I've seen my Ugandan brethren marrying whites in America. And in some instances it worked out. In other instances, the cultural differences led them not to last very long. Mm. And similarly, I have cousins of mine who I love very dearly. Mm. Probably a couple of them are watching this right now who have left Uganda and gone to the United States and married white husbands. Mm. Um, Some situations have lasted for a long time. Other situations failed. Mm. So, I mean, 
Jay-Z has a classic line. Um, what you eat don't make me shit. Mm. And that's generally my philosophy in life when it comes to how much attention I pay to what somebody else has got going on in their lives. Mm. Okay, I might have philosophical differences with how you act or carry yourself in certain situations, but ultimately, I don't have the bandwidth or the interest to feel away about what somebody else chooses to do with their life or their relationship. Okay. So if you decide that you've fallen in love and you want to marry this person of a different uh, racial background, that's for you to enjoy. That's for you to love. It's not for me to judge. I feel like I need to rephrase this. Yeah. I feel like I need to rephrase this. I have no problem with anyone else dating outside of their race. Like, um, do you? Um, and what I'm asking for is more like of a personal take. Mm-hmm. For me personally, how I look at it, it's like, right now when they come up, these guys have had us down for so long. Why are they now eating us when you're like at the top? Like, that's what I'm like. Like, let <laughs> oh, us like, be like, no, I win it. Yes, now you want that. What has changed? <laughs> has the poverty disappeared here? Like, what has changed? But like, what has changed? Really, really? It's just, bec- uh, you know what I mean? Like, mm, there's some worried. But anyway, I guess like at the same time, like, there are different reasons for doing these things. Like, sometimes it's for love. Sometimes it's for... You know, ask like different reasons, but I have nothing wrong with anyone else doing it. I'm not asking for like personally, the guy is here. What's your view? Yeah. Oh, damn, just follow us. On you. Yeah. On mine, I feel like I'm kind of with you as you. You as you. In the sense of like, I mean, like, especially for people who, this, it's so good that you ask this because for me, for people who live in multicultural societies, it makes perfect sense to me because like yes we might have different cultural backgrounds but we also share some similarities just based on the fact that we live in this this type of society together right so it makes sense for me for guys in multicultural societies to date i mean outside of their race yeah but for me it's just always a bit like sus when a guy lives in a i'm not gonna say uganda is monocultural but for the most part it's just mostly black people here so when that guy goes and like finds the one white girl in like a bunch of black people that's why i'm just kind of like hey man this guy must really be this guy's type man this guy myself <laughs> that's why it's like i have some questions but like it's still no beef man like you can still do you can do you i have no i have no problems with it it's just it's a bit somehow for me man yeah i mean do i give a side eye to that 20 something year old young Virile, strapping. Virile. <laughs> do I do I do I me? So when when I, when I when I see this young man who looks like he just stepped off of one of those, uh, you know, posters off of a black romance novel, right? With and, a J's. You know what I'm saying? And and when I see this brother holding hands with like a middle-aged white woman built like a sack of potatoes, yes. No, those guys catch the side eye for yeah. me, yeah. <laughs> very, very directly, and I make sure they see me side eyeing them. <laughs> I know what you're up to, my guy. Yeah. You're not fooling anybody in that particular case. Um, yeah. But hey, like I said, to each their own. I don't see too many of those stories working out great in the long term. So, hey, if you if you want to roll the dice, guys, give it a try. Did you guys hear about Jeezy and his wife? Yes. Um, Jeezy's are you know you know Jeezy's yeah, a Jeezy, rapper, rapper. Yeah. and he was married to this other like famous Asian lady, and now they just filed for divorce. I don't want to turn this into a gossip segment, but they just filed for divorce, and 
you know when stuff like that happens in the states, man. Guys start pulling the records from back then. Guys have receipts. Yeah, yeah. And apart, and firstly, just a rapper like Jeezy, like super gangster rapper, marrying an Asian woman. That was already like, hey man, mm. this is this. Is, <laughs> <laughs> that's what that was driving on its own. But <laughs> apparently, before they got married, she was married to some white guy. And there's a lot of like statements that she made that was so like sus, bro. Apparently, she said some stuff like. Um, I like white meat for my main dish, and then dark meat for like the side. Yeah, apparently she said some stuff like basically she basically said that she just didn't really fuck with black people like that, man. And then she married this guy, and now they get divorced. And the reason for the divorce, according to sources close to the family, says that they had different family values or something mm-hmm. along those lines, man. So I mean, you can't you can't neglect the fact that like different cultures have different. There's there's different values sometimes, man. That yeah. that just don't work out, I guess, for for certain people, man. Hey, I mean, yeah. it yeah. happens. Yeah. Do yeah. you, man? Yeah. Do you? I, I mean, I read that she tried to, you know, make it cool for her mother to move in and her brother to move into the house, yeah. and I'm like, that's a immediately trick. like yeah, that's <laughs> a trick, bro. That kills the Wait, is, it, is, is that a thing? Is that what? a thing? Yeah, in some I think with, yeah, it is. Like in the Asian culture? Asian yeah. Culture. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like old generations yeah. live in the same house. Everyone who live together. Yeah, right? I won't lie. I'm not trying to have that, man. No, yeah. hell no. No way. Hell no. No way, man. Can visit hell for no. a night one. Uh, 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 <laughs> overnight <laughs> is crazy. No, no, no. There are situations <laughs> where you can't avoid it. That's uh, true. Like after she just gave birth. Yeah. Like those ones. Or she might move into that mom. Yo, I, so I have an aunt. I'm straight. I have an aunt who lives in Virginia, in the U.S., and uh, she's she's married to a, a Caucasian gentleman. Mm. Super cool guy. Super mm. cool guy. In fact, they've probably been married now for, I think they got married like in, in 2007, eight. So they've been married like for 15 years now or so. So, um, but my, my aunt's house is the headquarters for everybody in my extended family. She's my mom's younger sister. So when we visit as a family, we come like six to eight deep. <laughs> we don't just come one, one individual. House. Like that guy's house, since he married my aunt, that house has never been free of relatives yes. and visitors. And, and, and so my old man sat down with my auntie one day and was like, yo, listen here, this, this guy doesn't come from this. This guy doesn't come from this culture where you just be inviting all of your people to come over. Like, one of these days, these, these random relatives of yours who just like popping by and staying for a week or two or a month mm, at a time, mm. like, they're going to chase this guy away, you know? Um, and thankfully, um, for all of us in our family, because he's such a beloved part of our family, my dad was incorrect in his assumption that he would cut and yeah, run. Yeah. But, I mean, he was speaking real talk. Of course. You, you like, you really have to understand, like, this person's differences from how my family arrangement is can really mess up my marriage if, if, if we don't agree and align before we start getting too deep into this thing. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think Jeezy and Jeannie just, they didn't do their due diligence, man. He didn't, he didn't find out enough. And she thought she could try it, but she learned the hard yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> Saying yeah, it. True. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of marriage... Yeah, I feel like we have to we have to address this one immediately. Man. Yeah, man. A couple of uh, what is it? Weeks, months now. It's been months now. Yeah, a couple of months ago, you went viral for some very controversial statements that you made. Yeah, man. not controversial to me, but I mean, a lot of people yep. felt away. 
Hella controversial. <laughs> Which is cool. Hella controversial. Africans are institutionalized beggars. If you can't afford to pay for your own wedding, don't get married. If you cannot pay for your own wedding in full 150%, don't get married. You're not ready to get married. You're not qualified as a man to say, I want to get married if you can't pay for your own wedding. For me, we refer to wedding meetings as institutionalized begging. So let me make sure that I, I, I correct the context of it all. Because yeah. I don't know if you watched the full episode no. of the podcast. Mm-hmm. See, <clears throat> watching things and digesting a 60-second clip can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. But I know, how, I, know, I know how the game works. And I actually, I was like, oh, you guys get sharp. So the whole context of the conversation was around... Um, the, there was a set of meetings in Europe that happened um, maybe like a week or so before we recorded that podcast and African leaders were telling the Europeans, we're not beggars, right? Mm. They were assuring these Europeans to know that, ah, you can try and, you know, manage us and have relationships with us in a certain way, but don't treat us like beggars. Yeah, put some respect on us. And um, so in the context of that conversation... I was like, yes, begging is a real thing. And it's a part of the culture that exists, not only in Uganda, but across all African nations. And I was talking about how you can encounter begging in very various forms throughout the course of your daily journey from the time that you leave your house to the time that you come home. None of us is immune to being begged at one point or another during the course of your average day. It won't happen. If you tell me it doesn't happen, you're lying. But isn't that more like a human thing than an African thing? Where no. do you go? Where, uh, where do we live? Where do we live? Who are we? Africans. And who are we talking about? But like, <laughs> like are we the only institutionalized? <laughs> I wasn't talking about Chinese as a Chinaman living in China. I was talking about Africans as an African I, living like in Africa. Bread price. Don't they raise bread price in like say certain South Asian countries, Southeast Asian countries? So let's get to the topic of the wedding. Thing, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because here's here's what I want to make sure that yeah, all yeah, of you guys before, get before clear about. Before we get about. to the wedding thing, I'm kind. I want you to like kind of like spell that out. So let's say beginning of the day till okay. end of the day. Cool. How many times do you feel like you're getting begged? Cool. So you leave home. Mm. Inevitably, you'll be at a traffic light mm. somewhere. Mm. Who's gonna run up on you at a traffic light? Mm. Some little malnourished child. Mm-hmm. A guy in a wheelchair, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Some lame individual, disabled individual, or a child, or an able-bodied human being is going to roll up on you, tap on your window, ask you for a dime. Mm. Right? Mm. Inevitably, at some point or another, you might encounter a traffic police officer that's <laughs> pulling you over for <laughs> some <laughs> random, unexplainable reason, just waving their hand. Hey, pull over, guy. Right? <laughs> at another point, you might just decide, hmm, let me pull over to the shop over here. Let me park. Right? When you come out and you, and you get into your car, there's a random parking attendant who was watching your car mm. without being asked to watch your car, who's now saying, oh, boss, please help me out. I've been watching your car for the last eight minutes while you were in there buying a bottle of water. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to go any further? No, 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 no. But like, okay, 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 okay. Let me, let me, okay. let me, let me run it back. You, 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 you. Is you, that big? You, you pull up just hustling. You pull. It's not hustling. It's hustling because let me tell nah. you, when you're asking somebody for something that you have not earned, it's begging. Okay, facts, facts. Be clear. Hustle connotes that there's hard work involved. Okay, 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 okay. And you're okay, exchanging it for financial consideration. But my point remains like. 
Where is it here that's institutionalized? Here's the issue that I have with people like what you're about to say. And this is why I'm allergic to average. Okay, And you niggas about to get me sneezing and coughing. You're about to give me an allergic reaction to whatever the fuck you're about to say right now. All these things, this is Africa. This is Uganda. Right now, bro. No, that's what no, that's not what I was about to say. No, bro. Let me tell I was you about something. to say even in North America they're beggars. Like on the side of the street with a with a with a note saying, "Please, I need money for this and that." Yeah, Maybe he might thing. not come and tap on your window on the pa- on the traffic light. Maybe that's illegal. For, uh, mm-hmm. Like they call it soliciting, but he's there be, like begging. It's just that maybe that's when feel, the bro. soliciting rules might not be implemented. I think if you're going to look at it like that, then the institutionalized beggars are in quote unquote. Let's let's call it India. Like I've, 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 I have people that have been there. And they told me that they literally communities of people that live on the roadside yeah. and their whole life is doing that exists so my issue is like calling it institutionalized only they, here yeah. it should no, be no, 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 no. it's everywhere it's no, 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 no. nowhere in my statement did I say institutionalized it is an exclusive institutionalization it is 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 it it is a descriptor that is exclusive okay to fair, enough, fair enough 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 Africans as an African living in Africa talking about the situation on the ground here so let's be clear. I understand. I'm that. not excluding the rest of the world from the mm, same mm. categorization. Mm. I was just being asked about what's happening here. I'm sorry, from the 32nd clip, it seemed a bit exclusionary in terms of like. Yeah, so I, think yeah I, I, think I think you legit said Uganda. Uganda. Yes, yes. Oh, at least that's that's what the That's the power of a powerful edit, man. You guys are talking about this <laughs> <three> months ago. <laughs> Shout out to Sitati, Soap, the editor who created that clip. You did nah. a hell of a job, my guy. But I think for sure, wherever there's poverty, there's yeah. begging. Yes, that's no, across that's, the world. That's a fact. That's, that's sure. across the world. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And here's here's here. Okay, so let's 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 get to the point that really inflamed the masses. Yeah, right. You got should, we, should we rewatch the clip? I think he remembers what he said. No, I know exactly. He remembers what he said. I, I don't know. I, I might need a refresher. They have sent him this clip. Some of you are like, like there because I've been oh, answering for this thing for the last three months, so it's all good. I'm not tripping. Let's see. What was wrong about what I said? Okay, to be fair, I have all this context now. There's actually nothing wrong you said. You didn't say that it's specific. You suggested wedding meetings, you call them institutionalized begging. Yes. That, I think wedding meetings anywhere, to be fair. Um, not in the way that they're begging, but like I agree with Hib's first point of you should at least be able to fund your own wedding. And if people want to contribute for extras, that's on them. But you should be able to fund your own wedding. So, but I don't know, man. People were coming at me with all types of crappy comments. That was some context, about, man. I can't even be pissed. Don't bring that American shit over here. You don't know culture. Yo, I got married in the backyard of my father's home in Kashari. Mm. I got married in Uganda here mm. at my family's traditional home. Mm. That's how traditional my wedding, wedding situation was. was. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not like I packed up my wife and took her to a church somewhere in, 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 you know, in a foreign country. I did the thing. And I included my family members, and we observed tradition to the best of what you our values mm. told us we should. Mm. But our values, and again, every time I've, I've ever made a statement on a podcast or a show or any platform, whatever, I speak for myself. Mm. I speak as Agaba speaking for mm. Agaba. I don't speak as a representative of Ugandan man of African man. I don't. I don't even speak as an entire representation of my family because I have a brother who probably has some substantially different viewpoints on a lot of things in in in, in life than what I do. I speak for myself and myself only. 
And and yes, we look at it. When I was having that conversation with my old man, we look at it as institutionalized begging. Did we receive funds from well-wishers? Yes. Did we ask for it? No. Mm. There's a difference. Mm. So I saw your take when you told me, I, don't, I disagree with the take because it's tradition and all that shit. We can observe tradition, right? Mm. I'm not throwing tradition out. What I'm saying is, is that be responsible. When you're asking people for their money mm. to contribute to whatever it is that you're trying to achieve in life, like be reasonable about it. Mm. I'll cite the example again. How many times have you sat in a wedding meeting or you or you or you <laughs> sat in a wedding meeting and you're presented with a budget and it has 150 li- different line items? I don't you take one line. All of them are inflated and ridiculously so. Mm. Talking about one and a half million for the, gr- for the, the, the groom's troop to go to the saloon. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The groom and his squad of five, five, five guys can each go and spend 30K, get a fresh cut over there at the salon, and you'll be done. 150K, finished. Now you want to put 1.5 million on your budget for it? Why? Mm. Do you need an eight tier cake that costs 680,000 shillings? <laughs> Come on, bro. Okay, I guess, I guess that's now like, well. The you want other people. Come. You want other people to finance the luxury of this occasion that you want to have in your life unnecessarily. <laughs> so. No, no. Oh. It's more like it's more like it's my wedding. It should be grand. I'd be glad if you could contribute. <laughs> I'd be glad if you could contribute for my grand wedding. But like, That's I awesome. want my wedding to That's be grand. How pathetic! How Make pathetic! Would you, how pathetic would your face look? Oh, it's my wedding, and I want it Bro, to be like, grand. I actually cut my hair here, but you don't have to go to no, sparkles. No, no. Okay. This is the thing. This is the thing. Um, I think when we addressed it, we shared some sentiments, and we agreed that <laughs> yes, the budgets can be very inflated. That's it. Beyond what you can handle. That's the issue we had. Yeah. With with most people like, bro, you're going through a wedding of 500 million (laughs) and then go back to your home and just sit. That's that's the thing we had. Yeah. Yeah. My question would be, is, and this is in no way to attack your opinion or to side with it. I'm just asking. Yeah. Is it wrong? I want to get your viewpoint is it wrong to beg? That's the best to, way I can put it. To beg. No. Like begging suggests that you have no other option. Mm. Yes. Mm. And in that particular case, it's not wrong. Mm. Right? If I'm a beggar, it means by virtue of my position, I'm doing it because I have no better option. Now, th- I, I definitely agree with you on that point. So that goes back to the fact that probably the budget is inflated and you're using your option of people. And you're putting your budget on them. Does that make sense? That's what the issue so it's is. It's not begging. No, no, no. You have it's an option begging. of people. It's begging. But you're just abusing your option. <laughs> your option is it in begging yeah. at that point? I think yes. at that point it's more like swindling or like, can yeah, we say, soliciting? <laughs> like, no, it's not you in begging, man. I feel like, in, okay. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like we're putting in like beggars are actually, they're, they're blame free in all of this in what yeah. they're doing. Like, yeah. like first of put these guys in, afford the function. Who, who, who are asking for 1.5, where they can go for the 30K. Yes, like in every case. Where there's an exchange of money involved, there's a guy whose purpose is to scam, bro. <laughs> Those guys <laughs> are always to inflate. For sure, there's guys who are scamming, no matter what. That. Yeah, no I can matter what. That. 
But I just swindlers. Feel like okay, we call it. We call it yeah. like that. Like it's institutionalized swindling. Wedding. So so instead of institutionalized begging, it's just <laughs> it's just a grab. It's, 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 it's just it's just a scam. Yeah. Sweeps. Sweeps. Fine. Done. He definitely used no better word than me. There's definitely that. But I feel that institutionalized scam. Firstly, I feel like in a lot of situations where the wedding budget is being inflated <clears throat> to the point that contributions are required. It's a stock opposite from the way your dad told you guys not to, not to pay. I mean, that you should be paying for everything. Yeah. Guys' parents are the ones who inflate the shit. Mm. And be like, ah, nah, you can't have Joker wedding. All our people have to come for your wedding as well. And therefore, we need this much money. The wedding has to be this big. This many people have to be invited. Oh. Right? And in those types of cases, I feel like the wedding stops just being your wedding. And now it becomes the family's wedding. And in that case, bro, you can't say, nah, I've jammed. Me, let me just do my car wedding that I can afford. Because you want your family to be involved in some way. And so that's now where all the contributions and stuff come in. Because you can't afford to do it on your own. And your family don't want you to do it on their, on your own. So they're going to ask the rest of the family for those contributions. And guys come for those wedding meetings on invite, bro. You have a choice of not coming for the wedding meeting. I agree with you 100%. But I guys come because they know so on their wedding. They're going to invite guys and guys have to come. It's one of those things, bro. <laughs> I feel like this, and this might, is how it has gone. This might be like more like a societal thing, even because the fact that you can't okay afford your wedding in can I say Western senses means you're not ready to get married. So mm. in a Western perspective, and I'm not saying this is right, but mm. guys, a lot of guys here are getting married before they are they ready. They can afford it, yeah. So that might not even be on them. That might be like some other societal pressure. Maybe their parents want them to get married. Like they're telling you that, you, bro, you're 24. You're 25. <coughs> Why don't you marry at 26? But you're 27. The family can afford it. Mm. But let me throw a spanner. So, so there might be like all that. There might be something else. Back to his point. Mm. Yeah. A lot of weddings are really not for you, bro. It's, it's not for, the for family. you, bro. It's like the they will tell you you have 150 people and 120 are family members. Mm. Invite 30 of your friends. Mm. Mm. That's where the issue is, bro. You're right. And, you know, so I referenced my brother got married like 15 years ago. My brother had his wedding. And so my brother and his fiance were living in the U.S. So the conversation was, do you want to get married in the U.S.? Simple wedding. Mm. Mm? 15 people, you know, Ah. sign. Or do you want to come to UG and have your wedding here? The debate happened. Wedding had to come here. And of course, old man was like, okay, Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't your wedding. This is my wedding. Mm. And it became a whole story. Program, the budget, the guest list, 600 people. You know that whole vibe. It became that wedding. Mm. Where it's like, you don't even have friends here anyway. 90% of the visitors <laughs> are, <laughs> mine. <laughs> are mine. Are mine. Right? So that was a conversation yeah. with, with, with my dad and my bro mm. at the time. But for me, it was different because I had been living here. I was based here. You had your people here. I had my people here. Mm. Found my wife, met her here, Mm. right? We had our people here. But also, the old man had the benefit of hindsight. Having seen the amount of resources that went into planning a wedding for 600 people before, it was like, why did we do that again? Why is it necessary? Yeah, I don't like, even see those guys anymore. You know what I mean? Those guys are, yeah. Uh, like, people yeah. who got married in COVID were bathing. <laughs> they did that. So, it was amazing, bro. Yeah, so my wedding had like 300 people, and it was 
Let me tell you, the most entertaining situation of, 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 of that whole planning process was navigating the hurt feelings oh, of all of those family me. members mm. who thought they that, they, that they should be invited just off of principle. Damn, mm. bro. Alone. And I was, I was like, shit. This is not my conversation to have, mom and dad. You know, the other knows these people. You know, I told my the fact that like three hundred people—that's a small wedding. Yeah. In over there, bro, three hundred people must be. Three hundred people is massive. Three hundred people is massive. Even yeah, I won't lie to you, bro. Three hundred people is calm. Three hundred like, people here is massive. Didn't want to invite bro, that's guys. That's an average wedding. That's people normal. is average, bro. Three hundred. That's people. very normal. People is average, bro. It <laughs> sounds like a lot of people to me, but I can't even. But you know. James and friends be having, they have a limit of 500 guys. <laughs> now, and can you imagine all those space. guys in one wedding, bro? And they fit in that space, bro. You're going to it's get crazy. a tent that sits 500 yeah. people, bro. And it will be full. Yeah. Yeah. I think my wedding will have like five guys. I swear, bro, like at this rate, man, like it, this doesn't appeal to me. When it, when it comes to fundraising for weddings and all of that stuff, do what you want. Mm. You know what I mean? Everybody mm. is welcome to address it according to the principles that they have. Mm within their family. Some people have the resources to be able to do it in a way where they don't need to ask. Other people have friends and family who are generous enough to just offer. Mm. Then there's a whole other category of people who are like, I want this thing and because it's my day, you guys have to deal. You guys, you have to, you have no choice but to make it happen yeah, for me. I've seen mm. people who push back the day of their wedding, bro. Just to make the budget yeah. work. I wouldn't ordinarily be able to achieve this on my own, but because of tradition mm. and because it's our family mm. thing. And I was right? at yours. And I was at yours. Mm. <laughs> That's a real one. Guys, <laughs> fall in and let's make it happen together. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody has their varying opinions on it. It's just mine that if I wasn't able to contribute financially to my own wedding, I wasn't going to get married. No, that's fair. That's period. That's fair. Yeah. And I won't lie. The other thing is like, those people you're talking about, I've come to yours. If you do not come to mine, mm. we are not friends anymore. We are done. Like, bro, I'm sorry. What if I'm not in the country? <laughs> no, but if, oh, what if, if I'm I am, my like, own I just couldn't bro. make it, man. Oh, what if I don't want? Yeah, what if I didn't <laughs> want? But I'll tell you this, man. Yeah, I'm super good at dodging, like, Weddings. No, those those uh, wedding meeting invites. Must <laughs> <laughs> give us the formula. You, you see those. them that day after. You're like, uh, man, I saw your invite today. <laughs> the meeting was yesterday. The beauty is what they do is they'll like put everyone on a group. Oh yeah. That's mm. easy peasy to dodge, bro. I feel like there's a there's a there's a certain age group that I've grown out of where it's just a wedding every week. It's just a wedding every week. Right? That's what we I are. think that's why that's yeah, 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 that's 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 you guys are now, right? You guys are in that age group, like, yeah. you know, late 20s to like 35, where all of your friends are just getting married mm. all the time. Two weeks. Mm. I'm wedding out. Let me tell you something. If I'm not in the bridal party, I don't find a reason to go to the wedding. Mm. Like, trust me. If I'm not a best man or a groomsman in that wedding, I don't need to go. <laughs> I have no interest in going to a wedding. I'm wedding out. I'm. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> what, what am I going to go and do at a wedding, right? A lot of guys go to weddings so that they can find single women who are kind of feeling like, oh my God, my friend has me gotten next. married. Is that me thing? next. Badly. Let me find That's a guy a here Badly. at the wedding. So you go hunting at a wedding. I'm already married. I'm good. Mm. Right? Mm. So That's a thing. Yo, it's a very legitimate thing. Of course. That's a bit what? That's a mad. bit, can I say? That's mad. All, all of the, the people who I like that? enough 
to want to go to their weddings are already oh, married. Yeah, fair. So it's like, mm. you think it's it's what it's like you opportunistic. Think yeah, opportunistic in a way, bro. Listen, I can't, I can't knock it, bro. <laughs> I can't knock it. You get them when they're tender. Yeah. You know, when like, the crab has just left the shell and it's still soft body, but it's at the wedding, it's soft. Like, even me, I could be next. Like, I promise you tomorrow, tomorrow, just Trust come me. me. After you sat through like three hours of speeches, <laughs> and then the shots just start going in, and you're turning up, it's around. The guy is looking for that person who grabs the bouquet. Especially if you're one of those resorts, resort weddings where you're like, Staying there at the same venue where you're going to be sleeping overnight, mm, ah! dangerous. Exhausting, bro. Any guy who's not scoring points on those nights needs to turn in his player card because really, mm, it's not. Then you said the bench. Don't look bro. good for you. I can just be. Bench. I just be going for weddings for the vibe, bro. <clears throat> that's cool. Keep that spirit. Keep that spirit. That's good. That's 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 a pure intention. Okay, but it's like once a year, so that's I a pure intention. Keep that different. spirit, man. Yeah. Me, I only go for weddings if I know the person marrying, and like I have to know know them. Because mm-hmm. me and weddings, I know man. There's some weddings where place. they have like free liquor, bro. For like, so what? No, I'm like, why am I sitting down? But one I don't yeah. like is what is is the church part, bro. That yeah. part it's is long. long. It's lo- bro. It's so easy to forget how long it is. I can bro. sit through church nah. speeches. Nah, speeches so I'll be drunk. Bruh. How many suits speeches. do you have to keep in your rotation to make sure you're fresh for all the weddings <laughs> you go to? <laughs> Hmm? <laughs> one black one. suit just change the inside shirt <laughs> <laughs> they will never know and the shoe, they'll <laughs> never, they'll never know. I have a different pocket I, I have a couple of cousins of mine who are who stay at weddings like bro these niggas are fresh man <laughs> these guys make me look at myself like damn bro like you lost it <laughs> these guys their tailor is is active. Taylor is active. Every time it's a fresh fit, I'm like, yeah. bro. That, that that definitely explains your point of view, bro. Those yeah. 60 seconds put you on the guillotine. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. bro. Um, I want to talk about this Navio concert that you mentioned earlier, man. Yeah, man. Oh. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I had a Mister Agava move from the states to UG. So one thing I want to know, like, how hard is it? Like, how long does it take for someone to plan to take up that move? Because it's even very hard for a person to just move from their parents' crib to become independent. But for a person to move from a place you've grown up, the people around that place are the only people you know, and then to move from there to another completely different place. How hard is it? (sighs) Well... I had the advantage of prior experience before moving to UG in 2011. So what I mean by that is my parents left the U.S. in 2003, permanently relocated to Uganda. And a year after that, I finished my undergraduate degree and my old man asked me if I would be willing to come here to Kampala, spend a couple of years helping my mom, uh, grow a business that she was just getting ready to start because I didn't really have too many career prospects when I was going to be finishing my undergraduate degree. So I was like, yeah, sure. Let me come over, spend a couple of years. Then I'll go back to the U S study for my master's and then properly become a professional. So that's how it happened. Um, I moved here summer of 2004, worked hard, established the business with my mom. We opened up a restaurant in Crested Towers called Baldwin's Cafe 
And uh, we had an amazing experience through that year and a half that we were running that business. And when I went back to the U.S., it was specifically to go study for my master's and then figure out the rest of my career trajectory from there. Um, along the way of working in corporate America, I got tired of thinking in the back of my mind, if I was in Uganda, you know what I'd be doing right now? If I was in UG, you know what I'd be doing right now? So instead like of right just now in terms of business or right now, like at this point in that day. So so when I was frustrated with the job that I was doing, yeah. I would think about the ambition that I had for the life that I could create for myself. Okay, okay. Outside of the rat race of corporate America. And I was thinking, if I went to Uganda with the skills and the knowledge and the 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 credentials that I have right now today. And this was me like in 2010 saying this to myself. If I went back to Uganda right now, instead of struggling into this corporate rat race and just working hard to pay bills and pay car notes and do this and that and the other thing, instead of going through all of this, what could I possibly be doing for myself if I just decided to pack up my stuff, go back to UG and put a plan in action? So I, I got tired of thinking that to myself. And I said, you know what? Let me just do it. I was unmarried. I didn't have any kids. And I was free to just pack up my life and go. So that's what I did. I literally bought a one-way plane ticket, came to Uganda, and I said, I'm going to give myself a, a couple of years to figure it out. If it doesn't work out, I'm an American citizen. I have an MBA. I can always come back and insert myself back into the rat race. The rat race of corporate America. But let me try. That was 12 years ago. Would you, how, and I haven't looked back since. <laughs> That's was uh, my next question. Like, uh, how is it going? How, would, you, like, would you recommend someone to do that as well? Would you, okay, if someone was had, were in a similar situation to you, yes. Okay, I don't know if it's a yes, but like, would you recommend anyone to do that? So the situation, the situation that I was entering was this, okay? I had a stable environment to come back to because my parents lived here. So I kind of had a soft landing, so to speak, mm. right? I didn't come here and had to figure out where am I going to stay? Where am I going to eat from? How am I going to sustain my everyday shelter and, you know, safety of, of just my personal existence, that one was kind of already taken care of because I came back and I spent the first month of my time here living in my parents' home. Yeah? But after that first month, I was out. And the whole idea of it was I came back determined that I wasn't going to be one of these, you know, guys who continues to perpetuate the story of my parents are connected they called a friend who got me a job mm. or who hooked me up with this, that, or the third thing. Like, that's what I was determined not to do. So when I came back here, I was getting my fingers burnt a lot, trying this, trying that, networking, building relationships. That first year that I was here was fucking miserable, bro. I won't even lie to you. I hated it. And I was questioning all the time whether or not I made the right choice because aside from my immediate family who were my parents, there was nobody here who had any loyalty to me. So when I was coming through with a whole bunch of enthusiasm, introducing myself, trying to create value and trying to present myself as somebody who was, as a, who was a, a resource to people, people are like, okay, Mr. Resource. <laughs> Be resourceful. Be resourceful. <laughs> but I, I, hadn't yet I hadn't yet navigated how 
to convert being a resource to people to extracting value for myself yet. So I spent the first couple of years here just figuring that out, understanding who to trust, who not to trust, how to present myself in a way where I could command people's respect and not just see them or rather not just allow them to see me as somebody who they could seek benefit from or take advantage of. Um, yeah, so it was, it was difficult as hell, man. And a, a lot of the time I wanted to give up and, and, and pack my shit and go back, but I was determined not to. I just, I'm, I'm built to something different, you know? And I have, built, I have been through a lot of struggle in my previous life in the U.S. that makes whatever challenges that I faced here seem very mm. small in comparison. Mm. So there's nothing about the life that I've lived here that was ever going to make me give up and surrender. I just knew that I was going to succeed no matter what. And, you know, I'm still working toward this grand ambition because I have a, I have a billionaire's ambition, you know? So I'm still on my way there, but I am confidently able to say that I've made the strides and I've made the forward progress that I think at this age and stage in my life, uh, I should have. And I'm looking forward to just even more growth right now. I guess your advice would be more useful for, I'd say, yes, someone in the diaspora, whoever there, but a Ugandan in the diaspora who has like family here, maybe not necessarily has come back, but is thinking about it. What is one thing you tell them like you wish you knew in your first year? Like, what's like one thing? One save before you come. Mm. Save before you come because turning on the tap of an income stream is not simple. However smart you may think that you have been able to make yourself, however educated you may feel, or however established you may be in your career, wherever it is that you're coming from, this is an entirely different animal. It's entirely different. Technology may be different and there may be systems that are advanced over there, but the competitive battleground <laughs> that you're entering here, there's different rules of engagement. And you cannot be so naive to think that because things operate maybe faster or things are operating in a way that one may consider uh, more advanced in, in, certain, in certain regions because you have been exposed to that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to crack the code here. I have an advantage. Yeah. And have an advantage. There's, no, there's not really any advantage mm. whatsoever. So when I say save is because you're going to come here and you're going to find that you may need to invest in creating an opportunity mm. or you may go a while without actually generating an income. Therefore, you need to live off of those savings. Mm. So don't just come here with a backpack full of clothes and a mind full of hopes and dreams and think that it's all going to work out because this, is not LA. It, it, this ain't it. <laughs> this ain't it. So prepare yourself. Be very calculated in your approach. I would say that's, that's the biggest advice I could give. Somebody. That's really good advice. That's really good. I'd actually really give that advice, advice to anyone in any place in life where you yeah, are yeah. like, yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> save your money. Don't sleep. Do not overestimate. <laughs> Do not overestimate your ability to be smarter or savvier than anybody here mm. because there's always somebody smarter and more savvy than you waiting mm. <laughs> for to you treat you like food that's just it was so profound and now we have to 
go into something ignorant man <laughs> i feel bad for transitioning us into anyway man um no i'm i'm really interested in hearing about this navio concert that you went for on uh when was that was that last week um navio concert it was the beginning of um beginning of september yeah. um early september mm. um i think september 2nd to be exact okay yeah so a few weeks back um and it was what 25 years of Navio or something 20 years of 20 Navio hard hard 20 hard. years of Navio hard first Navio. of all man shout out to the homie Navio man that's for sure a, man that's a good friend um for the longest time man I've been a fan of his a supporter mm. of his mm. and we got to the show a little bit late because I I didn't anticipate that he would be performing on stage with Ali. a variety of acts from the beginning to end mm. but that's that's what happened what it was so we arrived at that show with a couple of hours left, but he had already been on stage for a while. Man. And he was performing his face off with pretty much every major artist that exists in Uganda right now that he's done a song with, they made an appearance on that stage. Which is almost all of them, I think. All of them, right? right. It's, so it's a wide palette. Yeah. It, was, it, was an, it was an enthusiastic audience, man. The audience was lit. The crowd reaction was amazing. Um the selection of music that he put together it was it was not just the standard songs that you would expect from him because i mean when you've done music for 20 years you can't cover everything there's probably a list of like those 10 15 songs that you know people would want to hear guaranteed here but even the way that he 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 remixed them and even the way that he um you know played with the arrangement and all of that stuff it was awesome it was dope um I'll say this. Um hip hop in Uganda can't just have one global ambassador. Mm-hmm. Navio is Uganda hip hop's global ambassador. Mm-hmm. It disappoints me that up till now there's not another and I won't say substantially talented because there are plenty of people, men and women, who have produced hip hop out of Uganda who are talented on that level. But either their business is not right or their, their ambition it, it just falls short where they're just happy and comfortable congratulating each other from here within the confines of Kampala City. They don't want to put themselves on the stage to compete globally. And, and, and when I see what Navio has done over the last 20 years, I'm like, bro, like, can you give us another 20? I don't know. <laughs> Where's the future of Ugandan hip-hop? What, what, it's what, lacking. What I think of that is, <clears throat> I think, yes, hip-hop in Africa is thriving. Okay, thriving is a strong word. It's there and it's strong in Africa. Mm-hmm. But I'll say like Navio was literally, like, can I say the perfect timing, perfect, guy, like he was a good rapper in Uganda at a time where rap was literally the top genre. Right now, it's it's shifting away. I think what Ugandan audience wants from a Uga- an up-and-coming Ugandan artist is not even necessarily an Afrobeat sound. It's maybe like a sound that's uniquely Ugandan, whatever that yeah. means. Like, that's what they're looking for. They want someone to represent them on a global stage, not under hip-hop or under Afrobeat or under a piano, but under some Ugandan-sounding thing. That's what I honestly believe. Like, that, I think that will be the next day to take, represent us on a global stage, someone who cracks 
that sound and like the people kind of get behind him and are like this is our thing also like let's compare this with ama piano and effort that's what i think we're thirsty for and i think actually every african country other than nigeria is thirsty for that thing but mm. i think that's what we're thirsty for as well here that's actually a that's actually I a point that i disagree with mm. is it is it ugandans ugandan hip-hop artists should be making hip-hop music for ugandans or should they be making music for the world i feel like the the, the african artists who have broken out across the world are people who are making music that is palatable and can be enjoyed by people across the world. But when they do that, it doesn't sound so much like hip-hop normal. Because I'll give yes. you an example. Black Bones mm. is, is the guy who's like loaded Popping. as like the... He was even in Rolling Stones next over 100 influential rappers right now. Something mm. like that. One of those lists. Mm. But when you hear his music, his earlier music sounded very hip-hop-like. Mm. But no one knew Black Bones then. When Black Bones started making... Afrobeat sounding mm. hip hop, where it's he's rapping, it's melodic, he's it's over Afrobeats. Afrobeats. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now Black Bones is Black Bones and he's pushing the culture and he's one of the top. Like it's only when he brought it, broke the rap back home because he's been he signed under Chocolate City. Chocolate City is I think Mi, uh, Mi. Mm. That's like the top rapper in this continent. One of them, Mi. They all signed to Chocolate City as Mi. Ice Prince. Is Ice Prince. They're That's all signed under Chocolate City, and so yeah. is Black Bones. But I'd say Black Bones has gone further than all these guys because of his ability to bring it back home like and and home for him is lagos nigeria so mm. i think a ugandan rapper hip-hop because the beauty of hip-hop is it's just literally how well you can flow your words to a particular beat if you can do th- like uh, that's like the origins like a dj playing yeah, with someone yeah. an mc doing his thing yeah. and the mcs became popular i we need like that same kind of can I say dynamic, like someone doing a Ugandan flow w- w- like verbally over a Ugandan sounding beat verbally, whatever that sounds like organically. I so don't what's know. lacking? Like, because like I've, I've heard people with the flow. The flow is there. Mm. You have Luga flow, Chiga flow, every flow. Every culture has its flow. Mm. Chiga flow is a mad one, right? though. I want to know. Chiga flow, eh? Dax is coming. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so I would say the flow pause, is there. Pause, 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 is it pause. the production that's lacking? I don't know. I think it's... Uh, okay. No, I don't know exactly what is wrong. Now, that one I don't know. No, I'll say this. But I know what I'm waiting for. I, I see what you say. I, I think your point is particular to hip-hop, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Um, it, it has not been one of the most appreciated genres in this country in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, with that in mind, I definitely agree with what you're saying. But then I also know there are some genres that are more appreciated, and I, w- I won't even know if it's hype or something. For example, like Alien Skin, what's that genre, you guy? That's, That's like rap, rap bro. But also, again, back to his point, Alien Skin is not you can rapper. say he has blown up in a way, but mostly also to Ugandans in the diaspora. Yeah, I should say that's a ambassador right now, probably. Yeah. Like, he has blown up to Ugandans there. Not like everyone in the world is going to be like, what's this music? Yeah? So, again, back to his point. That's where we'll agree. I'll say this. You, have, you definitely have a point about the business. Because if it, you were talking about Black Bones, in as much as his music is good, he still has Chocolate City, which is a, oh. it's, it's a very well-known label. Hip-hop so, maybe label. I think the business has a, has a part to play. In yeah. A way. It's just one of those things where, like, back to my point, hip-hop has just not been appreciated in such a long time. 
in Uganda particularly. Yeah. Only I think that if a Ugandan country artist came up, he might do better, bro. Like some guy you might be right. It might be just like a, <laughs> you know what I mean, like a like a culture mismatch. But People I guess be. I guess that's what makes that 20 years of Navio concert so special because much as hip hop hasn't been appreciated in UG that way for the longest time, that night with that crowd, you guys appreciated this. They showed the guy love, and he put on a show that that demonstrated, yo, I've been at this for a proper twenty decades of perfecting my craft, and I'm gonna give you guys something tonight that you that you won't forget. And it was dope. I liked it a lot. But if, if there's anyone who mastered that confusion of whatever a Ugandan sound might be. With hip hop, it was him, bro. Yeah, a bunch of out. like traditional Luganda songs blended into hip hop almost perfectly, yeah. man. There's that song with Golola. I, I, do you remember it? Which one? Temper in a hot temper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, bro, that was also a fusion I did not understand. But I think it was, it was hard. That <laughs> 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 was hard, yeah. bro. Yeah. Nah, for real, for real. For that real. is not tough. Yeah. But I think in Uganda or anywhere else, I think talent plays a very, very small part. To someone's like success. you know like success, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because um, I think people in Uganda, the rappers and other people are doing stuff like that. They need like to be signed to record labels, which are good. They need to be having marketing teams, and they need to be having like let's say managers. But I've noticed that in Uganda, most of the artists, they are like they are greedy. Like they are maybe under they may be under a manager, and when they see that they are kind of popping, they decide to get rid of the managers that they can and like 100%. And that's a very, very bad thing. Like if you're trying to push your like your music like worldwide, you need a team. You need people you can give money to help you push your music there. You need like a label to be honest. Labels are very, very good. And then I've also noticed that these people, those who have been humble enough to (coughs) to be signed under a label, they've signed to the wrong label. Mm. Get. Yeah. And when I get back to this part of uh, the hey, this hip hop not popping in Uganda, is because in Uganda people are used to a certain type of music. I can say Chidandali. Mm. And if someone is trying to like be singing that hip hop jazz, people are not really like fucking so so well with it. Yeah, and when he sees that it's not really popping, he may be like, nah, let me drop this. Let but me the Chidandali rappers. The local Chidandali, which can only be listened to. There's Lugaflo. There's Lugaflo. What do they consider like gravity or Mutuju? Lugaflo. You will only get Ugandans in the diaspora to listen to that, but you won't get black people anywhere else or whites listening to I don't agree. I don't agree. The fact that you can listen to Shay Vibes here, and we don't know what he's talking about, totally pop, means that those guys can listen to Alien Skin. It's just that Maybe the marketing is not the same. Maybe it's like, but the talent, we also have talent here. It's not a lack of talent. Mm. There's talent here. Maybe it's something else around the talent that those guys have cracked that is now taking them to that level. But there's talent here. We have good music here Mm. that can play everywhere in the world. Like it's good music. Mm. Those guys. Let's not get it twisted. Ugandans celebrate certain artists that if they went to other places, they would be like karaoke singers. Mm. Let's, let's let's not con- let, no let's not get that confused. You know the talented karaoke singer. Okay, depends on which Ugandans yeah. we are celebrating. Some of Ugandans, Ugandans most celebrated, let's call them singers. 
mm. vocalists, mm. people who sing songs for a living, mm-hmm. sing. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they would yeah. be glorified karaoke acts. <laughs> Look, I, I, I don't know. This sixty second clip is going to slap. This one here. This one here. That's the clip there. Why are you putting up pictures? Singer. Let, let me be honest. <laughs> Most singer. Karaoke glorified. No, no, no. But <laughs> to be fair, I see your point. Yeah. I see it. Nah, it's just I don't add, uh, back. I, I I think without the proper marketing, yes, that's what they are relegated to. But no, these guys have good music, man. Relax. Yeah, but him is talking about the singing. He's talking oh, about like the, the actual voice itself, like the talent voice. Not the music. The music nah, can be good. Ah, uh, come on. He said Sam. Okay. <laughs> okay, Sam. <laughs> Sam. Okay, Sam. but isn't there like a? <laughs> but not most or <laughs> even many, man. I'm not saying all. Yeah. I'm not even saying your favorite. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying I'm not about my favorite. But me, I have a favorite who can't sing. But, <laughs> 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 but listen, I also have a number. Listen, <laughs> but that's, listen, the thing is, do you guys ever listen to like those old Congolese songs or some of those old West African songs? Mm. The mm. way in which those people are singing might not co- be conventionally considered good singing. Right. But that is the way that you're supposed to sing that kind of song. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm. So I think that for Ugandan singers, especially the women here, when you hear when you hear them, <laughs> that's what the producer for him, that's what he's listening for. He's like, aha, okay, see the way you sang that thing, that's the way I want you to <laughs> sing. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it's supposed to sound, that's that fair. type of song. But I won't even lie. Okay. I feel like it's also, it also depends on, also as if the message. Because, bro, I want like back in that day, all these vocalists were talking about, those songs were about problems. Yeah, guys, today just sing what they want, bro. Yeah. Those songs are about problems. Like, I have a problem with my yeah, like, mother. Like for four minutes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, to be even being <laughs> keeping it all the one handed, like, majority of pop songs in the world are karaoke level songs. To break out of karaoke level, you're now in like opera or you're in a choir. Opera is or a bad example, though. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> most, most pop artists would be on a karaoke, like, they turn up a karaoke bar. Like, and with skill level, um, except of when they're talking about the Celine Dion's, of course, that one can turn up in your prayer yeah, house for sure. Yeah, that one can yeah. turn up in, of course, there's Adele, that one can, of yeah, course. Yeah. But when you bring in all these other other guys, well, sexy red, make the stallion. I feel like we just don't have a proper name for it yet, but the genre of singing here mm. it's not RB, it's different, it's, it's not, right. it's something. And also There's going back to that Wendy's they point, do. I don't know about good you're right, record though. labels. Yeah. You're, you're 100% yeah. right. It's not R&B. It's, <laughs> it's not, not soul. It's a different <laughs> genre. No, R&B, we know yes. the R&B chicks. <laughs> the R&B chicks were there. Like, like, what's her name? Like Juliana would sing. She's yes. not dancing while she's singing. Yes. She's not doing anything else. She's just singing. Nava, she's sing, just man. singing. But those yeah. are now R and B artists. Mm. But these other chicks, bro, they're but doing something else. What? Ugandan R and B, like give me the <laughs> latest R and B What's the latest R and B Ugandan song? Oh, this Elijah Shitaka guy, I think does R and B. Fair, fair, yeah. fair. Josh Mongo. does. Josh does R and B. But see, again, global scale is what he's talking That's about. What's the latest R and B global thing? Mm. A, guy like Joshua, a guy like Joshua Baraka will, will get world famous yeah. mm. because mm. he's making music that the world can appreciate. But you, you don't have to be of this culture to appreciate. Did it. you hear his new song with a Ugandan chick who is not necessarily yet? No. You haven't heard that yet? No. When you hear that, you'll know what I mean. 
Yo, let's. I'll check it out. Also, when you mention something about record labels, bro, labels, it's not sign and everything will work out, bro. Yeah, never has been. Yeah. The music business is nasty, man. It's so bad. The music business is predatory. It's built on the foundation of of people with money taking advantage of hungry artists who just want a chance. Mm. You know, and the same cuts across every culture. It's not just Uganda, not just Nigeria. Everywhere, everywhere. 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 Yeah. So if you don't know the business, and that's that's another reason why I give Navio props for having the longevity that he has because he's been about his business, mm. and you can tell those artists here in UG who are about their business, those people who have global tours booked every year annually without fail like regularly scheduled programming those are people who are serious about their business um those guys who are consistently always you know able to change their sound their look their style but maintain their core fan base a lot of that has to do with how they understand the business and how they understand the changing trends and things of that nature so the talent is here. Mm. We agree that the talent is here. Mm. But there's something missing that we don't know. There's something part of the equation that still needs to be fine-tuned a little bit. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. what comes it? out of it. I'm sure yeah. as long as guys are working as hard as they are, someone is going to figure it no, out. Guys are cracking. They never know how the blueprint. Then yeah. there will be like yeah. 10 guys from UG. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, before we leave this Navio topic, on Twitter yesterday, there's a guy, I don't know if you guys saw that tweet, but there's a guy who said... He said, don't abuse me. But, did you see that tweet? He said, don't abuse me. But, verse for verse, Keko would cook Navio. Wow. Verse for verse, that Keko wow. would cook Navio. What, what were the replays like? Oh my God, bro. But, well, firstly, surprisingly, a lot of people agreed. Mm-hmm. But me, on first reading, bro, blasphemy, man. That is a blasphemy. I saw a picture of Keko the other day. She's back in Kampala. Oh, nice. oh, she is looking like yes. a, looking like a young Biggie Smalls, like a young Biggie Smalls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, young Biggie Smalls. <laughs> I mean, that's better. And she looked in the the video that went viral. No, she looks healthy. Yeah, she looks like yeah. she's well fed. That's a good thing. She looks that's like she's healthy. Yeah, but can't go verse for verse, verse for verse. Like the amount of yeah, quantity of verse, bro. They're not enough good yeah. verses to go for verse for verse. How many verses? How many verses? Is it a limit? Let's say like peak. Her top Keko. five versus yeah, okay, his top say, five? Yeah, let's say Keko's top five, Navio's top five. You guys no, think she, she no, no, gets no, no, it? No, 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 uh, no. Like the fact no. they don't remember like that many Keko yeah. jams right Navio now. Got bars, mm. Navio got some bars, yo. Navio got some bars. No. What's no, Keko's no. top jam? I think that might be a video of its own, bro. Like someone needs to get the best Keko verses, the best Navio verses, and they'll just go back and forth. Which man. is Keko's number one top jam? Let everyone remember. This is how we do it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I was going to say. Kekwe. That was Kekwe. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Bro, I don't know, man. Like, first of all, it's just considering Bro, the Nabio's numbers. Nabio's fifth so. worst verse is better than Keko's. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hot <crazy>. take time. <laughs> <laughs> like, the verse that Nabio had on, like, one and only is better yeah. than any of Keko's verses. But I'm like, really trying to remember Keko's I feel like Nabio and Keko have enough songs together. To do a five. Like, we got oh, the five songs with Navio and Keko went together yeah, yeah. and compared those verses, that would be a good... But that's a good still a wild comparison. take. No, that's wild. Verse. That's wild. It's a crazy no, take. Because, man, Keko has music. It just doesn't amount to 20 years of Navio. And so if you're picking the best five, <laughs> five from his catalogue... 
Yeah, it's, it's a, a, it's it's a, a tough stretch. One. It's a Did they abuse him? Because I didn't know, bro. No one abused him, bro. So many guys were agreeing with him. People agreed with that take? So many guys were agreeing with him. I was like, yo, do I not know Keiko's one? Maybe we don't know Keiko's Maybe I just have to go back and read first. Listen. Listen. We'll come back with this check. Keiko had a nice flow, but like, I don't, I don't like remember any songs overall being so outstanding that like there was a signature verse. Mm. I don't remember any nah, signature verse. Some, she, had some shit she had a good flow though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to ask something. I don't know how true it is. Mm. I hear some people are saying that um, Keko is signed under Sony. Sony? Yes, Sony. Is or was? Maybe I think was. she was. Maybe was. Yeah. And they're saying that there are allegations that Sony has that thing. It signs artists and then it sits on them. I don't know I how don't true know what's it going is. On inside Sony. Um, I I don't know. I think it's on an artist to artist basis, bro. Yeah. Like, if you're signing to a label that big, there's chances that you might not get priority, man. I remember even when David was signed to Sony. That's when he had his bad year and a half or so. Yeah. But yeah. it really depends, man. It really depends on who you are and what your team is doing, how you guys are moving. Yeah, yeah. but I don't know if I just that yeah. team definitely it. matters. I think I'll give like an a example. Case, case basis, yeah. I'll give an example. Do you remember? That very first Young Z song he dropped. Mm-hmm. Bro, do you know the way that thing was pushed by Swangs? Mm. It was all over. Like that song was playing in SA, it was mm, playing in mm, Kenya. Mm. They, did, they, they did work, and that was hip hop. Straight hip hop, it was just rapping. Mm. So I think. No, no, no. Uh, this, this is a different example. Mm. We're talking about like the label. So again, this goes back to the point we had before. I think it's just like a marketing thing. Also, I think, I think labels just be wanting to own like. As much of the market as they can, bro. Yeah. So they'll just... At the end of the day, a a record label's job is to provide you with the financing to produce an album that they can sell and make money off of. Mm. Yeah. Period. A lot of them aren't interested in artist development. Mm. A lot of them aren't interested in getting you from a point A to Z in terms of crafting your work ethic or all of the things that would make you now a star on their roster of artists mm. and i don't i don't i don't think that when somebody who is famous in this particular context here is ugandan famous or, or or east african famous when somebody like that gets signed to sony i feel like there's a moment like i've made it mm. i'm good now you know what i mean because i'm affiliated with sony there's a there's a machine behind me that's going to unlock opportunities and so i i can i can kind of and this is just me speculating. I can kind of take my foot off the gas a little bit because I've been working so hard. I've been grinding my face off to create this persona, this image, this brand. And I, now I've been recognized and Sony has recognized me and signed me. I've crossed the finish line. Mm. But literally your work is just starting mm. because now you have to understand the competitive landscape of what they deem worthy of their dollars mm. to promote. Mm. Yeah. Like now you're competing against all their artists. Yes. And mind you, these are these these are rosters of artists that are hundreds deep. They can sign you, but not spend a dime on you. It won't cost them anything to sign you, because it's once you start producing music and once you start spending their money like that, that it makes us it makes sense for them to now promote you. And but if 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 you're just in the studio and you're recording music and you're not coming with something that makes them feel like this is that thing that's going to make us money. You'll stay on the shelf. You can be there for a year, two, three, four, five, six years. I don't think any record label is in the business of signing artists 
just to shelve them. That's not a, a functioning business model that works. They're in it to make money. If you can make them money, you'll get there. But how they see you making them money probably comes through, like you said, with the team, with the management, with the producers that you have. Are you bringing everybody along with you and saying, I'm only interested in working with this core team of individuals that brought me here? Or are you willing to put your hands, put yourself in their hands and be molded? I don't know. But um, I'm sure that there's a whole lot of complexity around that. Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to signing to a label. Pros and cons. Yeah, but I'll say this. I'll say this. As a young artist in 2023, man, like, you don't necessarily have to sign to a label to make it. You can actually use social media to show the label your value so that by the time they approach you, by the time you approach them, you have some metrics. Yeah. Yeah, like, just look at it like that. Like, value added value. Like, what value can you offer to them? If you'd like to listen to the full conversation, please consider subscribing to the Mob Jazz Podcast Patreon. Once you do, you'll have access to the full conversations as well as subscriber-only content. The Mob Jazz Podcast is made possible through our Patreons. If you like what we're doing here, please consider becoming one.